Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Mean Old Lion Media, where black and brown voices truly matter. What's going on, everybody? It's your host. It's your family. It's Sheree Nicole. Welcome to another episode of Just a Thought with Sheree Nicole. I'm so grateful, so excited to be able to bring another amazing episode to you all. And uh, today is a very special day because I'm getting to have a conversation with a friend of mine, a, a great man, uh, somebody who has been a champion for mental health awareness, um, not only in Chicago, Illinois, but also across the country. His name is Christopher Lamarck. And uh, he is someone who has survived childhood trauma, who has survived three suicide attempts, who is a phenomenal MC, and who now is taking his talents and his overcoming of his traumas and merging them together for an amazing organization that he's been facilitating, which now actually has a building on the north side of Chicago. Coffee, hip-hop, and mental health. And through his organization, he's been able to fund opportunities for people to get free therapy services and other mental health resources. I had an opportunity to chat with him about his phenomenal story and his life's journey. And I know, I know it's going to bless some folks. I know it's going to impact some lives. I know it's going to make somebody who was apprehensive about therapy, go to therapy. I know it's going to change perspectives and change hearts. And so without further ado, take a listen to my conversation with Christopher Lamarck. Christopher Lamarck, thank you so much for hanging out with me. It is an honor, seriously. Oh, thank you for having me. It feels good to be here. Well, it feels good to have you. And we we had kind of a, a, a touch base pre-call last week, which was phenomenal. And one of the yes. things, yeah, one of the things you asked me was, how are you? And we were on the Zoom and you looked me dead in my eyes. You said, how are you? And literally <laughs> my, my spirit like shook. Because yeah. it's very rare that, you know, we really take the time enough to be present and intentional when we ask people that question. So for you, I Absolutely. want to ask you, you know, as you've had your own, you know, battles with mental health, and we'll talk about that in a bit. But was there a moment that you recall that someone earnestly asked you how you were doing? You recognized that moment and trusted them enough to tell them how you were doing? That is such a good question. Um I believe it was only during my beginning of going to therapy mm. because I was ready for therapy. And so someone may have asked me prior to that, but I wasn't present. Mm. In therapy, I was ready. I had made an intentional effort like to go to therapy, like to get some help because everything around me, all the signs were pointing to, you got to go get some help, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember uh, the therapist I had at the time, he did, like he, like he asked me, how, how was I really doing? 
And I remember falling apart on the couch because, you know, it was just at the right moment, at the right time. I was flooded with so much disappointment, so much shame, and I was ready to release it. And I just remember being present in that moment because I did feel safe in that moment. I felt like I felt like it was okay. And uh, this is the this is my chance to just start to release all the stuff that had been holding me back. So, yeah. And you said you felt disappointment and shame. Can can you pinpoint where that may have come from? Yeah. So you know, uh, growing up on the south side of Chicago, uh, later on knowing that in my early adulthood. Well, I even two years prior to this date, I not only suffer from unresolved childhood trauma, what it means to be physically, emotionally, uh, and like verbally abused, uh, but also having father and mother issues because not having a relationship with the both of them mm-hmm. and, and then living inside of a house where you felt isolated, you felt condemned, teased, ostracized, and neglected and rejected, <laughs> right? And then to grow up and like watch how slow the progression is in your life because nobody had ever taught you how to live. And mm. you realize that you are far behind, even though you look like you got it together because you wear nice clothes or maybe your profile online looks okay. But the reality is, you know that you're struggling because although you may be 18, you still feel like you're the 10-year-old kid. Wow. Or maybe you're 25 and you feel like, oh, I'm still 16 because I don't understand the very basic things. And because I know it, how can I feel secure? How can I feel really stable? How can I really flourish in my own broken identity? Yeah. So in that, it's a lot of shame that come with also being abused. Don't want nobody to see the layers and the weakness that, that you feel, you know, just by having, you know, that history. And speaking of history, you are no stranger. And thank God you've not only survived, but overcome that. No stranger to suicide yeah. attempts. You know, you, you, we talked to him last week about three times you tried to, to take your life. Um, that first little moment for you, take, take me back there. What, what led you to a place that first time where you said, I don't, want to be here anymore i remember it was like uh 04 05 and it was two back-to-back uh instances where i tried to just end my life i believe like the first time was just utter disappointment i'm never going to get this right mm-hmm. never going to get the, i'm 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 never going to get this relationship thing right uh, i don't have any friends i know a lot of people the room could be crowded but i feel alone uh, I feel unheard, unseen, and I could just never get this relationship shit right. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just could never get it right, right? It's like, I'm just existing. I just want to end it all. And on top of that, it's all the noise that you just don't understand because you don't have the language. It's mm-hmm. like having the worst feeling and you don't know how to articulate it. <laughs> it's like, wow. I'm hurting, I'm drowning, but I don't quite know the best adjective to explain what's happening. So that alone makes me very much ashamed and embarrassed. And I was tired of feeling that way. And I remember grabbing a bunch of pills, uh, taking them all at once. That didn't work. And I think a few days later, 
Uh, I'll never forget it. I was in South Chicago Heights. I walked outside in the stormy rain and I walked in front of a bunch of cars and mm. not one single car hit me. <laughs> I'm just like, I can't wow. even like kill myself. <laughs> like, wow. Like, like, but, you know, I recognize that that was the grace of God. And that was 04, 05. Uh, the last time was 2011. I had just lost my godmother and in like December 2012 then I had lost my real mother in 2013 who died with all the answers like why 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 don't we have a relationship who's my father you know my identity is it's like in you I need to know you right now I would never ever have an opportunity because you died and and I just remember struggling and then back at that same space again I can never get a relationship right and I remember also remember even though music was there, hip-hop was there, I didn't really have or feel a place or a voice without it. Hmm. If I wasn't writing, if I wasn't performing, I didn't feel like I had anything, right? And so music and hip-hop and dream, you know, it's something that motivates you, but it doesn't keep you, right? And I saw, I remember sitting in front of Lake Michigan in Kenosha, Wisconsin, in my truck, heavily contemplating driving my truck inside of Lake Michigan. This was uh, early, it was probably like 2000, late 2013, early 2014. I'll never forget it. And I sat there for like 12 hours and I had that little bit of hope, right? Uh, and that hope allowed me to reach out and call my friends mm. and, and tell them that I just, I, I don't know how to do this. And, uh, you know, blessing to have my friends because even in the midst of wanting to end it all, I had enough hope to like reach out. Yeah. And I think that's really important. Like do your very best like to reach out. And um, yeah, but if I can share this, Sherry, like yeah. the thing that really helped me, uh, Roberto Torres, rest in peace. Uh, I met this guy, he lived in racing like Wisconsin. He opened up his studio. Uh, he's no longer with us. He died recently, but he opened up his studio shortly after that. And I shared with him like that moment. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he uh, gave me his studio. And all any time of the day, no money, just go and record, go cry, go rap, do whatever you got to do. And that really saved my life because I had hip hop. I had this creativity, even though it couldn't keep me forever. Right. That's why therapy is important. But in that moment, hip hop saved my life from suicide Mm. because I was able to vent. And that's why I always tell people that hip hop will always be my first form of therapy. Mm. And let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about the music too. I mean, I remember seeing you on stages, you know, when I lived in Chicago (laughs) and I come back home to visit because, you know, that's where I'm from. And everybody was like, yo, this guy sounds just like Jay-Z. He's so lit. And there was such a, (laughs) such a stage presence you had. Um, just this cool guy with a with a bucket load of talent. You know, you mentioned a little bit earlier how you know music was something that it couldn't it couldn't sustain you. It sustains you just enough, but it's not it's not going to keep you, as you put it. And so when we think about artists, you know, even right now, especially going through a pandemic, a lot of them haven't been able to hit the stage like they like they want to and exercise their gift like they're used to. I mean, what it, what happens? You know, like what really is the significance? of being able to perform and how do you think that looks for yourself and other artists when that's taken away, especially in the way that it has been in the last couple of years? 
Oh man, like I felt for a lot of my artist friends. Uh, you know, I felt, I felt the like the need, but you have to disconnect from being able to like go and get on stage and just yeah. perform or to even go in the studio, right? Because everything was pretty much closed. Uh, I think the significance of being able to share your art, I mean, again, it goes back to who you are, your identity, having a voice. And then music is so therapeutic. Just think about music is the only thing that doesn't ask for permission to interrupt our lives. Wow. Wow. <laughs> right? It projects onto us. That's why little kids know who Michael Jackson is and they never saw Michael Jackson perform. Yeah. Right? You hear this music. It does something to you. Music evokes every type of emotion. You can hear it all day. You go into any place, right? You hear music all day. And music is the only thing, the most intrusive, but yet that profound thing that never asks permission. And but it does something. It it speaks for us. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. It's like, oh, you know, I don't know what to say right now, but let me turn on this, this, this music, right? Mm. Whether it be a, 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 a song that evokes sadness, a song that evokes joy. Uh, a, a romantic feeling or, or or you memorialize a moment or someone music does that and, and when you are a creative a, a a singer a rapper a poet and you have the gift to create it if yeah. the people if the people who listen to it can like use it as a therapy thing right imagine what the creators are using it for. Mm. It is our livelihood. It, it is what keeps us when the disappointment. It is my voice. It is my identity. You can reject me, but music doesn't reject you. Wow. Wow. We 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 talk about you as an artist and you know the the different ups and downs and ebbs and flows you've had as it relates to mental health. Now we stack yeah. black, now we stack black man on top of it. Oh. So if you could speak to the heart condition of, of black men in America right now and coming up in cities like a Chicago and it's no shade. We love our city, but we understand there are some really fundamental things that are wrong there. So what, what are we missing? <laughs> what are we not grasping about mental health and how it is intertwined and how it relates to the black male? So obviously uh, we've been dealing with you know, holding on to what we consider a badge of honor. We are resilient, <laughs> right? Which is something that I no longer su subscribe to, right? Holding on to the badge of honor uh, of what it means to be resilient because we can be resilient to a fault, right? Mm. So as a black man or as a black woman or even a black child, we are made to be resilient every day because no matter your level of success, we may have uncapped talent but you can only go so far in America, right? Mm -hmm. Right, because society, uh, systematic oppression says you can only go here, despite your uncapped talent or potential, right? Now, you look at Chicago, a city that's really segregated. I mean, can we be honest about that? Mm -hmm. There are eight, somewhat like eight food deserts in, in, in the city of Chicago, and the mm -hmm. majority of them or all of them are in the black community that mm -hmm. leads into the brown community. And so even though all black people in Chicago are not poor, there's a large amount of people who are poor, right? So you have the fact that you are living in poverty against you, 
because you lack resources, lack support, and people don't respect a broke person. No, they don't. <laughs> right? No, they don't. <laughs> right? You don't get no, you don't get any respect, right? And then on top of that, you're black, right? So let's talk about those. If you live in a marginalized community, because black people are often marginalized, it doesn't matter what their status is, but if you live in a parvished area and there's a lot of crime, everyone is the same, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to survive and like go through that whole process and you're not really holding on to any cognitive resources because how could you? Every day is about survival and you often feel black because everyone on the other side who is non-black only see you one way, mm-hmm. right? So that's pressures there. Right. What's going to happen if I'm outside and I'm rolling around Let's say I don't have enough money like to pay all of my bills. Maybe I got tickets, you know, maybe like my license plate is expired. <laughs> maybe I'm just out here bad, but I'm doing like whatever I got to do to survive. You in fear every day. Hmm. What if I get pulled over? I can't afford to get arrested. I'm just trying to get to work, right? Or the other stuff that come with who you are as a Black person because prejudice is tied to who we are as a skin color, right? Yeah. And the idea and the concept of what it means to be black. So all those different pressures that you're already holding. And then when you are in corporate spaces and you're somewhat successful, then you have to deal with the microaggressions and and you can't really show any form of aggression or any firmness or even, you can't even be like confident because it's taken out of context. Oh, Mm -hmm. angry black man, angry black woman, right? So just the idea of being black, not only in corporate spaces, living in poverty, but when you're already living in a segregated city, city where you know you're black, no matter where you go, you're black, right? I'm gonna share something with you, like coffee, hip hop, and mental health is very successful, right? If I walk around like with the shirt on, right? White people, you know, non-black people, I can be the same guy who owns the foundation, but if I walk around like with a hood, no shirt on, there's a different response. Mm. So I said a lot, but I want to really touch on a few things. If you're growing up in poverty, you're black, those things are against you. It doesn't matter how much uncapped potential and talent you have. If you work in corporate America, it's only so far you can go unless you do the ultimate compromise and you can't do that. And then on top of that, we live in a segregated city. So on on top of living in poverty, on top of having a certain prejudice, you got to deal with all of that. Then here comes COVID, right? That yeah. exasperates everything. I got my race, my culture, my identity, and I may be afraid of Black people because we're taught to be divided and be afraid of each other. Mm. So you have that, that pressure as well, right? It's tough. Look, it's, it's, it's exhausting just hearing about it, but all of that, thinking about how that's all in, in here and here all the time as a constant. All the time. You know what I'm saying? And we wonder yeah. why people have some of the issues that they have. And, and you mentioned support earlier. And the sad part is a lot of people don't have support, Christopher. They just they just don't have it. But I want to talk about your foundation because it's providing that for them. And you just mentioned it um, just a moment ago, coffee, hip hop and mental health. Um, I'm so impressed with this movement and um now with now with now you now you're building out a building it's, it's a whole thing so for you how did for those who are unfamiliar obviously i am but i want to make sure that people know how did you get started with this 
and you know as you've moved through how it has it evolved and what are your ultimate hopes um as you continue so uh i long time i was struggling with uh ptsd heavy heavy bouts of depression uh from 2001 to about 2011 constant bouts of homelessness and and then even past that just the the incredible lows and the small moments or the glimmers of hope and like highs right mm. the, the with the combination of all the stuff that happened to me as a child and then getting to a point where i'm sitting inside of a starbucks in like 2018 and i'm just wearing the bulk of disappointment i don't own anything i'm getting ready to turn 40 i can barely afford lunch that's what actually brought me to the coffee shop because it's like lunchtime i'm working at a job that i felt like you know it's just it's, it's a it's a dead end right so i walk to the coffee shop starbucks to be exact i sit down and i order a, a small cup of coffee and like a lemon loaf uh pancake and and I'm really just there because I couldn't afford lunch. And here I am, 39. I can't afford lunch. I don't own anything. My credit score is at a low four, <laughs> right? And I just don't know how to live anymore. Music is not enough anymore. I have failed successfully for 20 years chasing this musical dream. I failed successfully. Mm. And so in that moment, I was listening to Meek Mill. I'll never forget it. Hold up, wait a minute. Y'all thought I was finished. He wasn't saying nothing emotional, just a dope song. And I started crying uncontrollably in this crowded place. This is pre-COVID. This is in Millennium Park train station pathway, right? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, and it's, it's crowded. I started crying. I couldn't stop. And in that moment, I said, yo, you got to go get some help. Got to go to therapy or else this is just going to be it for you, right? Mm -hmm. And, and I knew I didn't want to die anymore, Sherry. I just didn't know how to live. Mm. So, so I went to therapy and in therapy, I was just so excited to get it all out. And I was told to just pace myself, make sure you, you uh, trust and build rapport with the therapist first. But I was so excited to just get it out. I was telling everything. And, and at some point I got to a, a, a place of being led and guided, right? And I went home and, and I wrote down three words that changed my life. Coffee because of my mental and emotional breakdown that later became my breakthrough all happened inside of this coffee shop, the safest place I could be at the moment to fall apart without being judged. <laughs> right? Wow. That's interesting uh, that, too, Christopher, because yeah. you're talking about a full room and that was a, and that was a safe space, for you, a full room of strangers. And that was a safe space for you at that time to, to release like that. That's interesting. I'm going to tell you why I was safe, because nobody saw me. Because <laughs> often as Black people or poor people, aren't looking at you. You're not even seen. You're not heard. You're not valued. <laughs> right? It's like, I feel like I'm getting a lot of attention now because I'm doing something exceptional. <laughs> mm. But prior to that, People that work with me now, you know, when I was in corporate America, no one saw me. Even when I was in a relationship with successful Black people, they didn't look at me because I had nothing of value to them. Hmm. So I wasn't seen. So even in that moment, nobody saw me or I felt like no one saw me. It was just me and my own world. And guess what? I didn't care. I knew that I just had to 
let it out, right? And so I went to therapy. I was being led, being guided, like to somewhat of a healthy place. Let me say this. I'm not saying that what I'm saying is right or wrong. I'm saying this was my breaking moment. Right, <laughs> right. right. There, like, like, there is nothing perfect about the healing process. It is mm-hmm. messy. It is awkward. It is uncomfortable. There is no right or wrong. It is just the uncomfortable and rewarding process. Mm. Wow. It's, it's, it's what worked for Christopher, <laughs> right? And so I went home and I wrote down coffee again because of what happened in that coffee shop. I wrote down hip hop because hip hop ultimately saved my life. Yeah. If I didn't have that place to go in that room, and like write my heart out and rap and rap and cry and pour and write. That would be no hip hop is the bridge. Hip hop is the bridge that carried me to focus on my mental health. That's why it's there. The coffee shop became the thing that made me look at hip hop as my first form of therapy. And in that moment, I said, whoa, it kept me just for a little bit. But the next thing that's going to keep me is me being educated about my own mental health. That's why I got to go to therapy. That's what coffee, hip hop, and mental health. That's why it was created, how it was created. And in that moment, I started thinking about my friends. I started thinking about my family. I started thinking about my community. Like, we don't even talk about it. We just survive, which is why I talked about the badge of honor of being resilient. We always say, yo, we don't got time to cry. We don't got time to do this or like man up or, you know, stop being a bitch and stop being weak, stop being a pimp. This is the stuff that I often heard growing up. And even in, at that present day, I felt like we were just taught to just get through. <laughs> I, you know, I just want to get out the way. <laughs> right? And uh, so I created Coffee Hip Hop and Mental Health as a vehicle, as a tool, as a living, breathing uh, organism that can go around to create these safe spaces so people can release and share without bias, without judgment or consequences, and then give them immediate resources. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the, the, the misconception that needs to be addressed quickly um, about therapy as it relates to the black community in particular? What are we not, what are we still not understanding about either its importance or its impact? So two things that we're not, okay, so, I can answer that question in two ways. The thing I want people to understand, it's like going to the doctor. What systematic oppression does, it makes you leery and your guard is up because same people that hurt us are the same people taking care of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? (laughs) So they weaponize the medical industry and the site and the mental health industry, my ancestors. So we can grow and we can deal with the victimization issues, but the truth is the truth. Mm-hmm. When you are poor, you can only really think about the day to day. Right. I don't have time to like see the value. Mm. Let's think. Of, let's talk about man's laws, hierarchy of needs. If you don't have community, autonomy, if you don't feel like you're loved or seen, you don't have clothes, you don't have a job, <laughs> right? If you don't have the basic things to survive, let alone live, 
You think you got time to go sit in front of a therapist? No. I'm trying to survive. So that's why I tell people, well, it's really tough for us to truly normalize therapy in the Black community without first addressing why they're stressed out in the first place. Mm. They don't have no food. They don't have security. They don't have autonomy. They don't have the basic necessities. They're living in a food desert. Well, Chris, why did you open up the coffee shop on the north side? You think I can sell coffee in a food desert? No, go mm. somewhere else where you can make the money so you can send it back to the neighborhood because wow. I can't rob the poor. We've been doing that forever. Mm. <laughs> right? So the goal is to understand. I always tell, like, educate the black people while you inform the white and non-black people. Mm. I'm trying to educate you why crime is at an all-time high. I understand there's no justification for it. When we lose a life, well, poverty is the real issue. Poverty is violent because, again, you can't tap into any cognitive resources. Let me break it down. You can't make a healthy, calculated decision if you're trying to figure out what to eat. That's true. <laughs> and then, depending on what I'm eating, if I'm eating fried foods all day, no nutrients, no vitamins, I'm going to be off the meter from an attitude standpoint. Absolutely. I want to make poor decisions. I'm going to be in a cycle of poor decisions. So that's one side. That's why therapy is so tough because I don't have time to go to therapy, yo. I'm trying to survive. And, and on top of that, I'm afraid of sitting in front of this person to tell them my truth because you may just lock me up. Mm. That's the extreme well. side. The other side is for those who do have enough, but maybe just for like, there's no value in that. You know, I got to put my money towards this. Well, if you manage it really well, your expenses, if you have enough cash, well, look at what you're frivolously spending hmm. on a weekly or monthly basis, all these different apps and Netflix. Well, you, if you go to the doctor, if you go to the dentist, it's really important for you to see your value and going to check your head because honestly, your brain is the most expensive and the most valued piece of real estate that any human being will ever own. But true. yet we manage it the least. It is the heartbeat of our humanity. There is no life of any kind without our brain, but yet we don't maintain it. Mm. So I try to tell people, let's meet them where they are to help them with the stuff if we can so they can later on see the value of therapy and for those who don't see the value because they're just taught to survive, even when they have some money, they're still in survival mode because right. it's hard to come out of that cycle, right? So our job is to, is to inform, is to educate and teach people. So what we do is we remove the financial burden and, and the coffee shop, the reason why it exists, the merchandise, is so we can pay for people to go to therapy for those we're saying, I want to go to therapy. I just can't afford it. All right, cool. Wow. We'll fit the bill for you. Wow. Uh, unbelievable. And I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about this, uh, Christopher. You just became a dad. First time dad, uh, what, last week? I believe it was last week. Unbelievable. Yo. Um, Yo. I, I, <laughs> how, I'm, and you might still be processing that this, but when, when you look at your son, son of all, of all, of all things and 
you think about how far God's brought you, where, where, what lens do you look at him through right now? Yeah, I'm definitely still processing it, right? But uh, I look at my son. So, you know, like, you know, it's a bit emotional because I never thought I wanted to quiet the noise, like the noise so much, Sherry, that I never thought I would be a dad, a husband, or live this long because I wanted to die so much, right? That was a period that I didn't want to be here anymore. And then later on, it was like, well, I really don't want to die. I, 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 I just don't know how to live. So my hope was very, very minimum when it came to the idea of becoming somebody's father. Mm-hmm. Will it ever get better? Will I ever know how to manage and maintain relationships? Will I always be stuck in a cycle of I was abused as a child? And how do, and how do I come out? And so now that I'm sitting here, able to look at my child, look at my son, number one, I'm like, Christopher, I'm proud of you. Hmm. That's the first feeling. And then I look at my son, I'm like, man, like, I can't help but to look at God and be like, you trust me? <laughs> you, 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 you believe in me so much that, that you trust me to like, take care of this beautiful being right and like to be honest it's like I look at him and I had to fight off a little sadness because it's like I'm never going to be able to tell him about his grandfather because I don't know anything about my own father and I don't know anything and my mom is no longer here so I don't even have history enough relational history like to give him anything about my family but here's the beauty of it the person I'm with, very loving mother, I, you know, I think it's a blessing that I was able to have a child with this particular individual, mm. right? I don't think I could have had a child with anybody else, Wow. right? So when I look at her and I look at him, I look at, wow, my child is winning because I always said that I went through poverty. So he would never have to go through that. Poverty mm-hmm. of family, financial, community like whatever right he's born into a village because guess what he got two very vibrant grandparents right yeah all of my sisters because i'm the only boy you know so he has aunties he has cousins and then on her side you know uh, she has brothers so he has uncles and then all of our friends and then this big beautiful community mm-hmm. and i'm gonna share this i'll be remiss if i didn't share this uh January 5th, 2020, I became homeless Mm. and I went and I purchased a hotel for like two days and I purchased two slices of pizza. This is January 5th, 2020. And then in the midst of being homeless, COVID hits. Right. And I was offered a job like in Wisconsin in a, a, like an apartment, like free, like for like six months. And then I was just kind of like, nah, you know, I think I'm supposed to stick this out. Mm. And I took a risk because that's the upside about poverty. You sort of learn how to navigate worse situations. Wow. And um, 
So that was just January 5th, 2020. And that lasted to like June 1st, mm. 2020. So like when I look at that, I look at, I never thought I would ever be able to be a father because I didn't think I was going to survive long enough, right? <laughs> and then just to be homeless, not that long ago, and then but continue to push on my dream. I look at the 20 years of failing successfully and said, that's school. That's school. Wow. All the dead-end jobs and marketing and sales, that's school. So I took all of that and all that pain, all that childhood pain and stuff I was learning in therapy, all the research, and, and I took that energy and I built Coffee, Hip Hop, and Mental Health. And look where we at. I just entered the coffee business in September 2020. Now we're building up our own coffee shop. Mm. The organization, just the coffee shop numbers alone, and two, like from 2000, November 2020, to December 31st, 2021, that coffee shop made just a little less of $300,000. That, that wow. is just the coffee shop. That's wow. not donations. That's not online sales. They're selling all over the world. So I'm saying to, to anybody listening, I thought God forgot about me. I almost gave up on myself, but then I said, nah, that little bit of hope. That, that mustard seed faith, that whatever you got in you, if you got anything, sleeping around wasn't going to be enough for me anymore, just performing, hiding the, fact, hiding the fact that I wasn't okay, thinking getting on the stage was just enough, hiding behind nice clothes or whatever I was doing just to cope, all of that wasn't enough. I needed to reach out and get some help. So pushing my dream, not giving up, focus on helping the community. I look up today, I was able to build a, a thriving organization, a very healthy business, taking care of the community. Within the last six months, we spent like over $100,000 in like individual therapy. And wow. 30, 30 people a week for months have been receiving group therapy services every week, 30 wow. plus, right? And then on top of that, I'm able to look at my son and I'm able for the first time in my life to really see the physical manifestation of what it means to build a family. Mm. When I thought I had, I didn't, you know, I wasn't capable. So it's loaded for me. I'm sharing this story. because I want people to know God hasn't forgot about you. It's not too late. I don't care if you like 60. I don't care if you're 70. I don't care if you feel like my 20s are terrible. I'm in my 30s. I don't know what to do. God has not forgotten about you. It's not too late. All you have to do is keep pushing. But the biggest thing is ask for help. Mm. It's so hard to come behind that, Christopher, because that's so rich what you're offering and what you're sharing and your transparency is something that is even beyond commendable. I don't really even have an adjective. I usually have a word for stuff, but I, I don't. I just honor you as I talk to you and I'm grateful for our interaction. I'm grateful to be able to witness your journey and have witnessed your journey for quite some time. I'm grateful to celebrate you and you. you are truly a servant. And you mentioned earlier, you know, God, you trust me. I can't believe you trust me with this, this beautiful boy. And in my yes. mind, I'm thinking, in my mind, I'm thinking, why wouldn't he? You've trusted him. And so we reap Absolutely. what we sow. And so I, I want to make sure that people know, Christopher, how they can support 
coffee, hip hop and mental health? How can they be of service to you? Um, how can they keep up with all the amazing things that you're doing? I want to make sure that, that people get the opportunity to, to know that. The first thing I want to say that before I get to that uh, is thank you uh, for wanting to echo and share these efforts and, and, and like for giving me the opportunity like to share this story. I don't take that lightly, so thank you. And, and, and then I want to say to all the people who ever supported my musical aspirations, whether you be like a person just who just came to the show or you were somebody that gave me a chance, you was a musician, you was a promoter, like you owned a venue. I want to just say thank you to all the people in Chicago who supported me. And then I also want to say to all the people who didn't understand why I didn't show up to a rehearsal, mm. while I didn't, uh, why I canceled last minute for a show. I want to tell you all like collectively that it was because I didn't know at the time, but I was falling apart. And I was just giving excuses because I didn't know how to say, I don't know what's wrong. I just don't feel like getting out the bed. Mm. <laughs> right. So I also say thank you. And I also say my sincere uh, 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 apology because I realized that just because you get help, I believe that if you can fix relationships, fix them. Yes. Right. Mm. Fix them. If it's humanly possible to fix relationships, fix it of any kind. Because a lot of times when we're dealing with our own stuff and we're trying to survive and people don't know what the internal struggle is, they're just the recipients of it, right? Yeah. And, and so I think about people all the time and I always tell God, if it's in me, help me fix any relationship, mm -hmm. right? And so, um, you know, and, and, I'm, and I'm doing that. I have repaired so many relationships and I'll continue. I'm not saying that I was out here wilding, but I also understand that everybody don't know what's going on with yeah. you if you don't tell them, right? Mm, that's true. So I'm I'm grateful and I'm thankful, but I also know that I made people feel away over the years because I didn't have the language to tell them, well, I'm really homeless tonight. I don't mm. really have nowhere to live. I know you saw me on that stage at Refuge Live or you saw me here, you saw me there but I really was trying to make enough money so I can buy that hotel for the night. But you only know like what I put on social media, <laughs> right? Wow. So, so I just wanted to share that because I know there's several people out here hiding and they don't have the language or the confidence to say, I'm struggling. I didn't mean that. I need some help, right? Mm. So in, in our closing, uh, you all can follow Coffee, Hip Hop, and Mental Health on all social media, whether it's Twitter, uh, Instagram, Facebook, and you can go to the website, uh, chhamh.org. And for anybody who's looking for therapy, we're about to open up the free therapy application this Thursday. That's February wow. 10th. That's great. Uh, we, yeah, we're getting ready. Normalized Therapy University. That's our So biggest, that's today, biggest. guys. That's today. It opens yeah. today. It's oh, So look, when you go on the website, just click on get therapy, right? Fill out the form. It's a bit of a process, but you're going to get 10 sessions. We're going to wow. cover 10 sessions for you, right? We'll help you find a therapist. That's the goal. So if you have insurance and you don't know uh, how to find a therapist, we'll help you also. But this is mainly for those who just don't have the finances or the resources we are here. But if you have the resources and you don't trust your human resources department, and you feel uncomfortable, you can also come to us. So 
I want to leave that with you all. Be safe, be well. Again, I really appreciate you. My dear brother, I thank you. And uh, because you you suffered through a lot, a lot of other people will not have to. So thank you. Absolutely. And uh, if you need anything, I'm always here. I know you, I know you got to get to the baby boy. He has a photo shoot. So I'm going to let Christopher yeah. out of here. But uh, <laughs> please support everything that he is doing. And I'm certain this will not be the last time we, we chop it up for this podcast. So thank you again and be safe. Love you, fam. Peace. Love you too. I can't tell you all how impactful those minutes, those moments with Christopher meant to me and um, to be able to see all that he's been able to accomplish despite adversity. I am beyond inspired. And I hope you are too. And I had just a thought, you know, we live in a life now where, you know, we live in a world now where therapy is something that we're talking about more, right? It's even become kind of sexy to an extent because it's, it's a little bit more pop culture than one would remember. But um, I think it's important for us to note that therapy is a very real thing. It's a very real tool and it's a very effective tool when used properly and when approached with the right mindset and with the right heart. And that heart and mindset simply is this. I'm not well in certain areas of my life and I want to make a change. Or, hey, I'm not the strongest in certain areas of my life and I want to get stronger. Hey, I don't even know who I am and I want to find out. That's the way that we can enter into therapy. I am a therapy advocate. I am a strong supporter of Jesus and therapy, and I have an amazing therapist. Shout out to Dr. Spirit, who is my therapist. But in addition to talking about therapy, you know, I want us to understand that it's important to normalize the process. Not because it's cool to go and say that you win and post it on Instagram or Twitter, but because it really is a help to all of us to be able to have someone who has an objective perspective no biases on either side, including ours, and can really look and can really look at us in our situations and help guide us to making the right decisions, to seeing the beauty that is who we are. And in addition to that, I want to encourage you all, myself included, to just be conscientious and intentional about being kind to other people. We never know what anybody is going through. We could never, ever know. We st- we're sitting around trying to conceptualize even what we're going through half the time. <laughs> So just be kind, because that's what God requires of us. Just show love, because that's what God requires of us. And it's interesting when you're intentional about showing love and kindness, not only how it warms your heart inside, but also what you get back in return. Have you been kind today? Have you been kind this week? Have you been kind this month? Have you been kind this year? Whether that answer is yes or no is fine. It is what it is. Owning that answer is most important. And then acting accordingly right behind it is what's even more important. Let's be kind to each other. And let's be kind to ourselves. Just a thought. Thanks so much for listening. This is Just a Thought, hosted and produced by yours truly, Sharina Cole. Just a Thought is now available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Radio.com. And make sure you subscribe, share, download, and rate this podcast if you love what you've heard. You can follow the Just a Thought podcast on Instagram at Just a Thought Show and on Twitter at Just a Thought Win. 
That's W-I-N. You can also follow me, Sheree Nicole, on Instagram and Twitter on the same handle, Sheree underscore Nicole, S-H-A-R-I underscore N-Y-C-O-L-E. Mean Old Lion Media, where black and brown voices truly matter. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.